Assalamualaikum everyone. Welcome back to our brand new episode in discussing various policies related to our country with the title Borak Policy. I'm Sarah. And I'm Alice. We will be the host for today's episode. We're now in the fourth episode of Borak Policy, entitled Open Distance Learning, or better known as ODL. ODL is when students take courses or classes online instead of attending them physically. ODL began when MCO was enforced due to the rise of positive COVID-19 cases. In adapting to new norms from aspect of education, many al- alternative means are used in ensuring education throughout the country. The Ministry of Higher Education announced that all teaching and learning programs in universities will be conducted through online platforms until further notice. Yes, and in addition to that, face-to-face activities were prohibited and exceptions were only given to five categories of students, which are postgraduate students involved in research, final year students who need specific equipment such as labs or studios, thirdly, Final year students who do not have access to a conducive environment to undergo online classes. Students who participate in education programs and technical and vocational training at polytechnics and community colleges. And last but not least, all the new intake students of the 2020 and 2021 session at all universities as well as colleges for both public and private. The Ministry also announced that all academic activities on all campuses must comply with the standard operating procedures. By the way, Sarah, have you heard about the latest announcement of university students returning to their campuses on the 1st of March in 2021? Yes, I most definitely heard about it because on the 31st of December 2020, the Minister of Higher Education, Datuk Seri Dr. Noraini Ahmad, said that the decision was made after a special meeting with the National Security Council on the 23rd of December in 2020. Students from red zones must arrive 10 days earlier for them to undergo quarantine, whereas international students can enter Malaysia starting from the 1st of January in 2021, except for those from United Kingdom. Interesting, isn't it? Okay, as for today's episode, we have a very special guest who is going to share with us more information and insights on ODL. Let us welcome Dr. Asmawati Binti Muhammad No, a senior lecturer in the Department of Educational Psychology and Counseling from the Faculty of Education, University of Malaya. Assalamualaikum, Doctor. How are you today? Waalaikum salam. I'm doing well, thank you. Alhamdulillah. Okay, Doctor, on behalf of our team here at Borak Policy, we would like to express our utmost gratitude to you for accepting our invitation. We are more than honoured to have you as our guest today. Before we dive deeper into today's discussion, I would like to take this opportunity to share a little bit about our guest. Dr. Asmawati is a respectable senior lecturer at University Malaya, whose expertise are in counselling and psychology, specifically on adolescents' health and well-being, women, family, career as well as crisis counselling. She is an associate member of the Malaysian Psychological Association as well as a licensed counsellor registered with the Board of Counsellors since 2011. On top of that, she undergone training with the National Population and Family Development Board, 
Ministry of Women, Family and Community Development or also known as Lembaga Pendidikan dan Pembangunan Keluarga. Dr. Azmawati is certified to teach and train students on matters pertaining to sexuality based on their modules. Adding to the long list of respectable achievements and qualifications, Dr. Azmawati had also co-written two books related to counselling and psychology, which are titled Mara Self-Concept Inventory in 2020 and Theory Counselling Then Psychotherapy in 2014. Thank you, Sarah, for the brief introduction. We are once again delighted to have Dr. Azmawati with us today. We have a few questions in line for you today, Doctor. The first is, as someone who is an expert in psychology and has been working very closely with students, what can you say about how this whole pandemic, quarantine life and ODL situation affects the students' health and mental well-being? Okay, thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Alice. But first of all, I would like to thank the listeners out there, and um, such a very good question. So, yeah, you can just address me as Dr. Azzi, okay? Um, as we all know, the outbreak of coronavirus disease 2019, well known as COVID-19, which started in China in December 2019, is a catastrophic calamity that has spread across the entire world at the speed of light. And public health measures have been implemented in almost every country to contain the disease transmission. So uh, when we talk about um, studying, we talk about learning, it is apparent that the unsolving psychological and social impacts of the pandemic are inescapable. And it is actually very critical to identify, to understand and to take steps in building resilience and coping uh, mechanisms uh, with such damaging consequences of pandemic. Yeah, um, Therefore, it is timely for us to basically look into the understanding the impact of COVID-19 on students' mental health and the need for immediate interventions. As we all know, many universities worldwide have moved to emergency remote teaching. And that's what's happening in Malaysia. We call it as ERT, via online platforms, further inducing anxiety among the students. Studies on the effect of COVID-19 and lockdowns on college students and university students, basically in China, has reported significant adverse effects on the student's psychological well-being and high levels of anxiety. So you see, to date, there are many studies that have been conducted. There are many, um, again, studies that have seen how this COVID-19 pandemic and lockdowns from the public health perspective, yeah? And most research have seen that university students are highly affected. So the odds of anxiety, if you can say, amongst the female and male students, yeah? Anxiety um, is much higher. It's being recorded higher among female students compared to the male counterparts. So females generally express emotions to a greater extent than males do, and the recent pandemic may have exacerbated the situation, yeah, because we are all, most of us are usually more uh, expressive in a way. And uh, studies that have been conducted indicate that females' uncertainty tolerance threshold is lower than that of males. And crossing that threshold triggers undue stress and anxiety. Also, it is said that um, many female students may further be subject to lesser coping strategies in times of uncertainty and stressful situations. In this 
um, in several studies that have been conducted, and specifically among um, students, yeah, uh, 17 to 18. So youngsters are constantly on social media and the information shared on social media could have played a pivotal role in increasing the anxiety level of the students. And that is what affecting our university students as well, because social media, although it gives easy access to information, which can be very essential during lockdowns, the always on facet of so, uh, facet yeah, of social media can actually be very exhausting and may take a toll on students' mental health. We could see now um, uh, at the onset of uh, MCO in March, and now we're actually having PKPs again, or rather MCO again. Whatever you can name it or call it, we are now in the new norms. Yeah, and social media have actually the flow, uh, the flow of risk elevating messages on social media that are portrayed in a very negative manner could trigger anxiety. I've actually uh, spoken to my students just before this and they have actually uh, presented their worries, um, their stress level. And we have heard about a student up north that have committed suicide due to this COVID-19. So, um, what I'm trying to say here is students, uh, basically, who are staying with families, they have their own, um, you know, uh, restrictions or limitations in terms of they need to take care of probably their younger siblings. And those students who were staying alone experienced the highest anxiety levels compared to those staying with family and friends. Yeah, as it is, those staying alone are usually away from their loved ones and the sudden threat to their safety and security during this pandemic could have made these students feel lonelier and pose challenges from multiple angles. So unfortunately, uh, Lisa and also, um, sorry, Lisa and Sarah, so the COVID-19 pandemic has created a social recession. Uh, we call it a social recession. What is that? That is basically a continual pattern of social distancing beyond the immediate pandemic that is creating a lack of emotional support and broader societal effects, which include increased anxiety uh, levels. Yeah. So the contributor, uh, again, is probably the ERT, emergency remote teaching or learning. Yeah and also other, uh, what do you call that, compounding effects that's related to learning and study. Thank you, Doctor. As students, ODL can be quite challenging and stressful due to various factors such as low internet connection. And one of the most common one is juggling both academic and our personal life. Now, as we know, these factors can severely affect students' mental health and well-being. Is there any advice or tips that you can share with us to overcome it? Okay, first of all, I would like to apologize. I call Alice as Lisa. <laughs> okay. Yeah, thank you for that understanding. That's what happens to us too, yeah? We're also affected. So anyway, so when you talk about tips, but before that, I just wanted to um, just, um, you know, just add on. So when you talk about low internet connection, this is actually affecting not only those in the, obviously in the rural area, but in the urban area, we have the challenges of slow internet internet connection and at times that you can just the connection can just be disrupted and what more if you are staying in the rural areas I have students that have actually shared with me that Dr. Azi do you know that we actually have to sit up just to get our own wi-fi and um, to get that that box that internet box thingy is 
cost us 300 ringgit so we need to save up and uh, monthly is just 30 ringgit but you see what they have to go through so my advice or i wouldn't say advice my tips in um sharing with all of you on how um to to go through it or overcome it so basically um to those um that is actually staying in the low or uh, rather slow internet connection area you should the first thing you need to do allah or rather you need to explain to your um lecturers that you are facing with these issues and mostly i would say that lecturers are very understanding because some of them are actually going through the same so what we could do is to learn through the asynchronous um asynchronous mode okay for example if you can't join the synchronous mode uh, lectures also handle asynchronous mode that you can actually go through by uh, google classroom for example yeah and uh, for those area that probably do not have any internet connection at all so this is when um we really hope that friends could actually help out in the sense of uh, providing information so e learning tips so here let's talk about tips i would say tips to be success successful in online classes obviously when we talk about online classes you need to have internet connection again if you do not have access or access to internet connection is limited do inform your lecturer okay test your internet speed at different times in a day because uh, during the day we will say we will actually experience a very slow internet connections i also would like to share with you that be aware of the assignment deadlines when we talk about assignments right be aware of the assignment deadlines and now you could say that when we talk about um um pandemic it's not just pandemic because malaysia is now experiencing floods in certain areas so be aware of the assignment deadlines and uh, get in touch with your lecturer experience uh, that you go through and you need to have a backup plan always when you actually um talk to your friends okay you need to actually inform them what are the things again communication is very important good practices for students um, to learn in a uh, synchronous environment i think you should be prepared a day before the class um, yeah so what you need to do and 15 minutes before the class for example you need to look for a very a dedicated space that you could actually uh, go through your learning yeah and um when i talk that is all about learning so coping mechanism in terms of um you know adjusting um to the mental health and of course academic we've talked about academic and also personal life now i'm going to focus on personal life you need to understand when we talk about psychological well-being you need to understand the psychological makeup of a person okay is in the form of abc what is abc it stands for affective a f f e c t i v e ha ini belajar mengeja ya affective b for behavior and c for cognitive it's like i batu campur remember that that's your psychological makeup so the first thing that you need to do when you are actually faced with adversity you need to always think about what are the positive things or what can you do about it because as a human being we will always look into those uh, it's common for us to feel uh, negative it's common for us to feel upset or feel that oh no i'm being left behind all this negativity but once you get control of how you think it will then be translated into Uh, sorry it will then affect how you feel if you're thinking positively okay i know i can't get through or i'm stressed 
Okay, like my students said, Dr. Azia might actually stress because there's so much work and line internet ni, uh, is not clear. So internet connection is not clear or is very low. So what can I do about it? So again, let me ask you, what can you do about it? If there's nothing that you can do about it because you are not, you are not able to connect, so you can always SMS. Okay, SMS, and we can actually inform you. So what you need to do is to control the way you think. How you think will affect how you feel, and that will be translated into your behavior. Secondly, emotion is actually very important. So that is why when we talk about mental well-being, we're not talking about mental disorder. That's in a different session. Yeah, we're talking about mental health or mental well-being. So psychological makeup is very, very important. Once you start thinking or having a positive thought, you will have a positive emotions, and you will that will be translated into your positive behavior. So again, you can actually trick your brain. So this is what I've been sharing with my students. When you feel bad, when you feel upset, allow yourself to feel upset or angry or bad for, because your brain can take it for up to 20 minutes. After that 20 minutes, that's what we call as, um, um, what you call that, self-deprecating, de, uh, de, okay? Um, self-inflicted behavior. You cause yourself to be uh, to feel the way you feel. So what you need to do, like how I practice is when I'm upset, when I'm angry or when I'm sad, when I, I, I felt, um, what you call that, uncontrollable, my emotions, what I do usually is I allow myself to feel that anger, that sadness for 12 minutes because I know how to control myself better, inshallah, with all the counseling skills. But probably for you as a start, allow yourself to feel upset for 20 minutes. Then you tell your brain, stop, I'm not going to feel this way. And then what are the things that you're going to do about it? Okay. And you can see how that brain functioning could actually change the way how you feel. That will then be translated into positive behavior. Thank you, Alice and Sarah. Thank you, doctor, for those amazing tips. Okay, doctor, moving on. In your opinion, do you think Malaysia's open distance learning will improve in the long run? And what are the initiatives that will be taken by the government in order to do so? Okay, again, this is actually a very good question because we always talk about how we want to transform the learning, uh, okay, the learning process. Uh, when we talk about technology, we've also, I'm sure both Alice and Sarah have been hearing about uh, IR 4.0. What is that? Industrial Revolution 4.0. So when we talk about how we need to improve, are we ready? That's the first question that I'm going to ask you. Sarah and Alice, tell me frankly, are you ready to learn online? Um, honestly speaking, I would still prefer physically <laughs> compared to online. I remember where before the MCO, I had students that said, Allah Dr. Azi, come let's do online lah. But now, most of them actually said, no, can we have a physical class, please? But due to the pandemic, these are all um, not possible. Yeah. So again, the question is, yes, we are gearing towards IR 4.0, Industrial Revolution 4.0. The question again, are we ready? Are the lecturers ready? Are all the infrastructures ready? But I do think, uh, if you ask my opinion, do you think Malaysia's open distance learning will improve in the long run? Yeah, it should. Because when you are just talking about um, IR 4.0, what are we going to do about it? So what are the plans? So we need to basically gear towards that 
dream that you wanted to achieve. It's not a dream, but we have to make it a, a reality. We have to make it possible. So what can they do about it? First of all, I'm also involved in one of the research that I'm conducting is to see the readiness of students. Also to see the readiness of the lecturers, the educators. Educators means lecturers, teachers, okay? So we need to see what are you gonna do about it? So when we talk about initiatives, the ownership of gadgets, we wanted to move towards this online learning, but the technological advancements, but not everybody has the ownership of gadgets. Uh, in my daughter's school, she's now in Form 5 in MRSM certing. what we do is we actually find out who among the students are not, you know, do not have any um, gadgets because they are, need to learn online. So what we do is we we find out uh, we find out the details and then we provide them with the gadgets. Yeah. So the ownership of gadgets, it is not just about who have it, but whether it is a, um, what you call that compatible. Can it be used to, you know, because sometimes some gadgets. Um, cannot actually, um, you know, they can just do what's happening. But we wanted to have probably Google Meet. That's not possible. I, I'm just giving an example, yeah? So ownership of gadgets is actually very important. And why not the tax exemption? So you can actually um, improvise on the tax exemption if you buy gadgets, okay? That should also be considered. Internet accessibility and connections. I think this is the most important factor. Even if you have gadgets, but you do not have the internet accessibility, what is the point? Because I think this is the crucial part. So this is when we need to do, you know, um, when I was younger, they talk about MSC, Multimedia Super Corridor. So now I think when we talk about the um, uh, national a plan to have this fiber optic should be um, enhanced so that everybody could actually have access. And it's not just in urban areas, but we also need to consider the students, the educators in the rural areas. I remember the teachers in Kelantan, I was reading on FB and I saw that uh, the teachers, what they do, even in Sarawak, what they do is they photocopy all the homeworks and they go through the flat, they go through all this one, two, three hour journey in Sarawak just to pass the assignments or work to the students. Um, I salute all these teachers and educators, but then again, until when are we gonna do it? Yeah, and finally, um, sorry, two more uh, information. Okay, so when we talk about um, distribution of data to students, I'm sure you've heard about students being dis uh, given uh, one gigabyte of data. Uh, when MCO first started, I think that should be continued um, because not everybody can afford it. Yeah, and also the media has a role to play where the mainstream media could actually provide information, for example, EduWeb TV, uh, for for um, for students, yeah, and even uh, like program TV pendidikan atau kelas di rumah, things like that, and also consider what can be done for university students. Yes, yes, I do agree, doctor. Thank you, and I also do hope that ODL continues to improve in the future yes. because we do need it to overcome COVID nineteen. Exactly. Now we know that open distance learning is a hassle for students. <laughs> so what about lecturers? Because if it's a hassle for us, it is most definitely a hassle for lecturers as well. As a lecturer, 
how do you prepare yourself for ODL and tackle the issues that come with it? Um, okay, that's very interesting. You see, when they first announced the MCO, we were quite happy. I'm sure everybody's happy. Everybody packed their bags. I want to go back to Kampong. I don't have a Kampong because I stay in KL. So I, I'm staying in Nilai. Mom is in Kampong, uh, in Ampang. So it's not considered as Kampong. It's very near. So I saw that everybody's excited, pack their bags and go back. But they didn't realize that after that MCO, um, you know, it was prolonged up to four months and everybody start panicking, right? And um, we've heard also about incidences where they they go through the jalan tikus, uh, jalan belakang lah ni kita panggil ya, to go back to their home, I mean to their houses, their own home. So, yeah. As a lecturer, this is actually very interesting when I find that staying home after a while, after that first two weeks, <laughs> it's taken a toll on uh, most of us too. Why? Because as a, 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 as a woman, as a mother, as a lecturer, I need to play a different roles with different hats. Yeah. And um, I, I need to wear different hats. And this has taken a toll on my own emotions where I get... Um, Anxiety. I got that kind of feeling. I was stressed out. I was very upset and angry when I need to cook all the time. And I felt that everybody is making a, me turning into a maid. However, however, again, um, once I understand that, hey, this is going to take months and I am a counsellor, what can I do about it? Remember I told you about how you can control the brain? So that's when... The first thing that I did was making emergency preparedness plans for unexpected problems. So, you see, I'm not very well-versed with um, technology. Um, if you're um, stuck at my WhatsApp too and all that too, very simple lah. But you talk to me about Microsoft Teams, what is that? It's jargon to me, okay? But since all the classes were switched to online education mode and the computer servers may not be able to host such a large scale of new users, online education platform may often shut down because of overload. That's what happened to us. In UM, we have this thing called Spectrum. I'm sure in UITM, you have the same thing. So Spectrum was overloaded. Uh, so, so what do I do? So, I always have this prepare plan A, plan B, plan C. Kalau tak boleh, then we do asynchronous. Okay? And secondly, dividing the teaching content into smaller units. I used to have my class for, uh, for three hours straight. Uh, in between, we have a short break of so five minutes. Lah. But I never, um, I have, I'm one of the lecturers that never end my class early. Uh, poor students of mine, but they enjoyed my class, hopefully. However, what I'm trying to say is students can't focus the same amount of hours or the same time for uh, what you call that three long hours. They can't, they can't focus. And so do me. And so do, so does the lecturers. I experienced the same thing. I can't focus. I was very tired after a while. So now what we do is um, we cut down or divide the teaching content into smaller units. Um, so what we do is we have this in-class teaching into different topics and then we adopt a modular teaching techniques, yeah? So in other words, on the basis of ensuring a clear knowledge structure in the curriculum, so we provide um, several small modules. So we have about one hour and then uh, we give them exercises and we get back into the online platform to discuss. Third, um, I also emphasize the use of voice in teaching. I think all lecturers should include that. In traditional in-class teaching, body language, facial expressions, and teacher's voice are all very important teaching tools. 
However, once a course is actually switched to online teaching, body language, facial expressions are under restrictions. So it's difficult to use this school, uh, these tools through screens and only voice could be fully functioned. Therefore, I would like to suggest for all the educators out there, out there in online teaching, you need to appropriately slow down this, your speech to allow students to capture key knowledge points. Like what I'm doing earlier, if you realize, I'm speaking fast. So I make mistakes and this might be confusing. So now I'm slowing down. So itu tadi tu just test lah. And finally, uh, working with teaching assistant and gain online support from them. So what I do is, since I am not very well versed with technology, so what I do is I go into classes. I learn from the experts. So do not be shy because we always want to upgrade ourselves. Yeah? Okay. Thank you. Like I said, the last thing is to combine online learning and also offline self-learning effectively. So we need to prepare. The lecturers out there need to prepare pre-class study preparation, limited participation in class discussion, uh, and make sure that you have adequate discussion uh, in depth to understand um, what is going on in the syllabus. All okay, right? doctor. One final mind-boggling question for you. According to the recent announcement, students are allowed to return to their campus on the 1st of March 2021. What are your thoughts on the decision made? Do you think it's a good one, a bad one, and what are the pros and cons to it? Okay. Um, I'm not sure if it's on the 1st of March 2021 because in the University of Malaya, um, it was announced at 30, 31st of March 2021. So I'm not so sure about the date, but I know it's um, sometime in March, but I am very sure for us it's 31st of March. Anyway, what are my thoughts on the decision made? I would say that um, a good one or a bad one, I wouldn't know because this has to be uh, the pandemic, uh, you know, we have to make sure that it's been controlled. We wanted to flatten the curve. That is the motivations that we all have, flatten the curve. And we are trying to help our Ministry of Health and our frontliners, they are all very tired. I'm sure uh, most of you out there have seen the videos where they're actually crying out for help, asking us to stay put, stay home, because this virus, uh, what do you call that, is very virulent, it's highly infectious. So to say that whether this is actually a good um, decision or not, um, this will have to come from uh, the infection, uh, what do you call that, the pandemic itself, whether it dies down, it can be controlled, because we are not asking to get zero cases, that is impossible. But what the KKM is trying to do is to get it um, at least um, a double digit or even a single digit so it can be under control. Yeah. So for students to basically come in, it was actually very scary when I wanted to send my daughter on the 9th of January when I also knew that there will be a PKP. And I'm glad that she's in Negeri Sembilan is PKPB. So she doesn't have to come back. She's sitting for her SPM. Should be last year. And now until this year, she's already 18. But must say nak SPM. So you see the nervousness, the anxiety inside this set of SPM students. So um, again, when we were about to send our children off, the MRSM especially, uh, send them away. And now I know that um, Tabika, if I'm not mistaken, they're actually open. Um, uh, classes have resumed. I would like to say that it can be worrisome to some parents. Tipulah kalau tak worry. Worrisome to many, in fact, many parents out there. But again, um, life has to go on. As long as you take care of yourself, SOP, 
you need to maintain SOP, that should be okay. But the thing that we are very concerned is children. Okay, you're asking the 17-year-old as opposed to those children, young ones, five, six years old. So, yeah. Okay, so that, that is something that we need to look into. When we talk about um, the pros and cons, I would say I would say the pros and cons have actually um, come out with a, a few. So the positive part is when you have a, a traditional classroom or face-to-face -face physical classroom. To those who does not have internet access, uh, that they'll be very happy. Especially some of my students, they're supposed to have class this week, but we have actually postponed it. Face-to-face, uh, -face. so they're now still put in UM because they refuse to go home. They say that at home they can't study. So to them, that's very something that they are actually looking into, okay? Um, to those who does not have gadgets, yeah, in UM we have, we, we provide that. In universities, we provide that. And also, it's good for those, especially teachers or rather parents who are not able, working parents, working mothers and fathers, who are not able to actually, what you call that, pantau, eh, um, to look into their um, children's, uh, what you call that, prestasi pelajar itu sendiri. So another thing is when we talk about the lost generation or the pelajar tercicir, the students that are being left out, especially in the rural areas. So I think that's something good when you have physical classes. But again, the worrisome part is, uh, you see, um, how sure are we that it is no longer there? How sure are we that we're not going to be infected? So these are always going to be very worrisome. Again, I would like for everybody out there to always take care of yourself, stay safe, be safe, and you need to always, always understand um, the SOPs. As long as you are very sure that you follow all these guidelines, you'll be safe. So again, the question is when you ask me, is it a good or a bad decision? I'm sure the government knows what is good and what is bad for all of us, the right yet. Um, but if it's too soon in first uh, of March, I think let's just wait for how um, all of us are going to play our roles in combating the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you, Alice and Sarah. Thank you so much, Doctor, for sharing your knowledge with us and for joining today's episode. We wish you well and all the best for your current and future endeavours. Dear admissioners, we hope you enjoyed today's episode and found it to be intriguing because we certainly did. Before we end today's podcast and bid you adieu, please stay safe by taking some simple precautions such as physical distancing and wearing a mask, especially when distancing cannot be maintained. Regularly clean your hands and cough into a bent elbow or tissue. Stay safe and let's break the chain. Oh, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at admissioncmp. See you soon. Au revoir.